today on It's Time. He paid it completely, and there's no room for me adding to what God has already done. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. We have to remember that the Bible tells us that the tone, and this is something we don't always get in the Bible, but Paul is deeply concerned for the people that he labored for. They received him with oozy eyes or whatever it was that he had, and they listened to him. They accepted the gospel, and then the slickies came in and started taking their hearts away. Verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law... Do you not hear the law? Do you, don't you understand what it's saying? That if you are under the law, you're not going to be under grace. You can't have two masters. And what's interesting, in the rest of this chapter, he outlines how the two are incompatible with each other. Now, you say, Mike, why is this important to me today? How is a person made right with God? You'll have people come knock on your door, very nicely dressed, telling you that you've got to join their thing, their church, in order to be right with God. Really? Well, I thought having my faith in Christ is what made me right with God. Oh, no, 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 that, that's just part of it. To truly be right with God, you have to join our thing, and then you have to start performing our rituals. Do you know how many Christians have been sucked in by the lie of these different religions, friends? It is serious. Do you realize how many of the letters that Paul the Apostle wrote and Jesus himself warned that in the last days there would be false teachers that would come on the scene to try to take your simple love relationship with your daddy away and replace it with legalism? Why is that? Why is that? so bad. Because legalism never gives you peace. If I am approaching God in works, here's the problem. Have I done enough to appease God? That's the thing. And and like I say, I I, I witness a lot in my life. And, And the thing is, when I'll ask somebody, I'll say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And when they retort, I've done the best I can, I know I'm speaking to somebody that does not have an Abba Father, a Daddy relationship with their God. I don't care how much my daughter does, how much she doesn't do, guess what? She's still my daughter. That is what God wants with us. But if I'm trying to earn, well, I I, I hope... He's my dad. No, he either is 
or he ain't. Today, either God is your father or he's not. Either you're trying to approach God through, look what I did, God. And, you know, there's something about when, as I said earlier, when we do something, we like to go around, look, look at a good I am. Look what I did. Look what I did. And God goes, that's not what makes you a son or a daughter. What makes you a son or a daughter is love, God's grace. He adopted us. And I look at this and I go, how in the world can you take something as simple as God's love and mess it up? Well, you take a simple relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden with God. And what was Satan's whole purpose? Mess that up. In fact, I'm pretty convinced that Satan's whole purpose with the entire world, Christian or not, is to mess it up. In fact, Revelation, we we find that there's a war in heaven. He comes down to the earth halfway through the tribulation period. It says he's full of wrath. He knows his time is short. And the reason he's full of wrath is to mess this all up, Christian or not. How much more than you as a child of God does he want to take away that simple relationship of God's love with you? And change it into something saying, look what I did, rather than look what God did for me. Well, he goes on. And he begins to bring some interesting parallels. Now, you have to remember the Judaizers were those that were coming along saying, our father Abraham. In fact, they were always doing that to Jesus. They were always coming to Jesus saying, our father Abraham, or Moses taught us. What they didn't realize is that Abraham, and they evidently had forgotten, Abraham didn't have the Ten Commandments. That didn't come until hundreds of years later. And yet in the book of Hebrews, we find Abraham was justified by faith. So is it possible to be right with God without the law? Yes, and Abraham was an example of that. So when people are trying to get you to follow their rules, follow their dogma, follow their their, uh, church's creeds, they don't know God. See, I don't have to do something to be something. I am something. You are something. But they'll come along and say, oh, no, no, you're not. You, You have to get under your dietary laws. And there's something about pride within man that says, look what I did. Well, so Paul writes to them now, and it says, for it is written. He gives them a little bit of a history lesson here. I like this. And and what's interesting is you don't find this outline really outside of this understanding. In other words, what happened to Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar really kind of was a mystery. And now Paul explains it. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, the other by the free woman. Now we remember, God said to Abraham, of you I'm going to make a great nation. Now, Abraham's old. Uh, uh, and, and well, how is this ever going to be? Look at the stars in the heaven. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And I can just see Abraham going, yeah, okay, right. But God's got a way of doing things that we don't know. And, and by the way, always remember, God's got a better way than we do. Oh, I do this sometimes so often. I'll pray. I'll say, okay, God, I need you to do this. And then I tell God how to do it. 
Now, if you'll just make this zig and you'll make this zag, then, then it'll all work and everything will be. And God says, oh, I'm so glad you're God. Thank you for helping me. No, all God wants me to do is say, here's the issue. You fix it. Oh, I like that about daddies. I don't know if you had, any of you here had a good daddy. I pray you did. An earthly daddy. That's why I think the devil's after attacking daddies in the world. And, and I've shared this before, but if you watch any sitcoms or any programs on television, the dad is always the stupidest idiot in the room. The, the, the 13-year-old kid knows a lot more about life than dad does. Well, I think there's a reason why. Because the devil never wants you to ever be able to relate to your father. But daddies have a way of fixing things. And you know, when I used to break things when I was a kid, I'd bring it to my dad. And I didn't tell my dad how to fix it. I didn't even know how to fix it. All I knew was broken. And my dad had a way of fixing it. Sometimes it was glue. Sometimes it was black tape. Sometimes it was bailing wire. Or sometimes he'd just go down and get a whole brand new one. But daddies have a way of fixing things. And you've got a heavenly father that wants to fix what's wrong in your life. Abraham was promised as the stars of the heaven, he would have descendants like that. I can just see Abraham going, <laughs> oh, good with that. So the idea was, why don't you go into our handmaiden, Hagar, our house servant, and have a child with her? I noticed that Abraham didn't fight that too much. Ishmael comes along. And Ishmael and Hagar lived with Sarah in the house together until Isaac was born. His name means laughter. And I'm sure at the age that Abraham had Isaac and Sarah looked at him and I suppose they laughed. <laughs> Look at me, an old lady, an old man, here, babies. <laughs> well, that's what happened. So you have now a child with a, with a servant woman and you have a child with his wife. Here he says one bondwoman, the other free woman. And he begins to make this parallel between the law and Ishmael and the promise in freedom in Isaac. He says, but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. You think that's not the case? Hey, we need to have a kid. Okay, hey, just take the handmaiden here and go boogie. Um, yeah, that, that was a work of the flesh, all right. And the other, the free woman, was through promise. God says that through you, speaking of Sarah and Abraham, oh, you know, you guys are going to have kids. That seemed unbelievable at her age. She was past the time of having children, and yet God supernaturally did something for her by promise, which are two and symbolic. These are the two covenants, one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and it corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and the bondage of her children. 
But Jerusalem from above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout for you, do, for you who do not travail. For the desolation has many more children than she who has a husband. What he's saying is that you supernaturally are going to have children. That was the promise to Sarah. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But he was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. And though we don't have a lot of verses on how uh, Hagar and Ishmael persecuted maybe Sarah and, and Isaac, we do find a little bit in Genesis 21.9, it says that he made fun of him all the time. Ishmael was always making fun of Isaac. Do you know the law always makes fun of living in the spirit? Always does. You mean to tell me you think you're going to go to heaven by simply putting your faith in God? You got to get out there and earn it by doing a lot of religious goofy stuff. And our brand will tell you what goofy stuff you need to do. Oh, and they all cook it up. Boy, I'll tell you, they got People selling flowers in the airport, wearing red, shaving their head except for a clump coming off the side. Now that's spiritual. And you look at this and you realize the desire within people to be right with God and how the devil takes advantage of that. It's amazing. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not of the children of the bondwoman, but we're free. You see, he's making a parallel. The two cannot coexist. You cannot be a child of God by simply letting God bless you and hold on to the law in order to make you something. So this morning... What makes you what you are? What makes you right with God? If it's works, have you done enough? You know, we had a memorial service here. A boy named Jason. And uh, he accepted the Lord. I'd never met him, but Terry and some of the other people in our fellowship worked around him. He got MD, multiple dystrophy, and his... From the time he was seven years old to the time he died when he was 17 a few days ago, he was in a wheelchair the whole time. And what's really amazing, as I was able to share, I thought, you know, this little boy died and all these people showed up to this place. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, if somebody's going to give their life so that maybe I can share the gospel with them. That's what I'm going to do. And so I began to simply share how it's not by works that we're saved, just basically what we're talking about here, but by the grace of God. And the grace of God gives me peace because the thing is, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, I've done the best I can, but what if you haven't done enough? It's too late to do anything about it. 
You're dead. How do you have any peace concerning eternity with that haunting in your life, wondering, have I done enough? And friends, that's all religion can offer a person is work hard enough and you just might make it. But true Christianity is different. You see, and this is what I shared with everybody. And afterwards, some very distinguished people who I knew were in a different faith came up to me and they said, you said some things today we'd never heard before. You see, because in their group, you have to go through all the hoop jumping to be right. Where when we read the Bible, we're clothed in his righteousness. You see, that's what God did for you and me. It isn't anything that I earned. The bondwoman and the free woman cannot coexist. It's mutually exclusive. You will have one or you will have the other. Either you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ or you're trying to earn it yourself. Paul is addressing Christians who somehow got bewitched, as it says in verse uh, chapter 3, and got back into believing that something they were going to do was going to make them right with God. And friends, that's how the cults operate. When they come to your door, and they've had this, I've had this happen to me, and they begin to tell me about their thing, and I say, well, let me just tell you this. I believe Jesus died on the cross. He's what made me righteous. What possibly can you offer me? They're a little speechless, and then they go back into their pre-rehearsed thing they do. You see, the problem is you're saved by God's grace. You don't have to earn to be a child of God. My daughter, my son, they do not come to me and say, Daddy, I, I did this and I did that. Now can I be your son? No. You already are. But all of these guys can offer you what Paul is talking about, this group that came in saying, if you earn it hard enough, you might be a son. You never know. There's no assurance of salvation. There's no peace because you don't know and that big haunting fact of the day you die, have I done enough? This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you believe that you're going to heaven because of anything else that you have done other than accept Christ as your Savior, you have been taken advantage of by some type of religious system. And they come in various flavors, colors, times, and places. But they all have one thing in common. Jesus did not pay it all for you. The good news is Jesus did pay it all. And he paid it complete where he sat on the cross, die. it is finished. It's all done. You are adopted if you want to be today. That's the question. Do you want to be? Oh yeah, I do. You mean I, I didn't earn it? I didn't get out and do enough? No, no. It's just God gives it to us. That's God's grace. Let God bless you with his grace today. 
Always remember that. And when you see people getting tangled up in religion and you see them because you say, well, Mike, that would never happen to me. I know Christians that I have led to the Lord that got tangled back up into Judaism again. And they're keeping the law. They're keeping the Sabbaths. They're keeping all that stuff. And I'm going, why? It can do nothing. All the law can do, as it says, if you go back to the first part of chapter 4, it was the tutor, it was the schoolmaster that showed us we needed a Savior. Remember this. The law can never save you. It can only show you how much you need a Savior. And you say, well, why is this so important? Mike, you've been on this. Well, Paul devoted this whole book to this. Because it is such a problem. Well, Mike, it isn't a problem today. Oh, yes, it is. Because that's how the cults operate. And no Christian listening to this, in this room, on the internet, around the world, on CSN, whatever, should ever get caught up in believing that Jesus did not pay it all. He paid it completely, and there's no room for me adding to what God has already done. That's the gospel for That's the good news. He did it all. All I need to do is be found in him. How how do I do that? Jesus, come in my life. You know, I got to tell you, some of the funniest prayers of salvation in the Bible, if you, you know, we always have the one, oh, Jesus, come in my life. And I do that here because it's kind of a compilation of, of many different places in the Bible. But some of the most amazing salvation prayers in the Bible are so different than what we think. Remember the thief on the cross? You know, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We deserve to be up here. He admitted he was a sinner. Uh, This man has done nothing wrong. And he looks at Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. His prayer of salvation was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember the woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet. Jesus bends down and writes in the dirt two times. Some people always ask, what did he write? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. I surmise, though, maybe, how did you catch her? That would have taken, it says we caught her in the very act. Mm, really? Peeping toms. Really? We caught her in the very act. Then, according to the law, you're supposed to bring the man as well. Or was the man a setup to trap the woman to try to get Jesus to go against what was written and required by the law? Don't know. But the Bible says after he got done writing two times in the, in the dirt, it says beginning with the oldest first, they all left. And Jesus looked at the woman. He said, where are your accusers? And she looked, here's, this is the shortest salvation prayer in the Bible. She says, there are none, Lord. He said, go and sin no more. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Simple prayer of salvation. All the way through the Bible, you'll see that. Remember the Apostle Paul. He was on his way to kill Christians. Yeah, the same one we're reading about here that wrote this. He was zealous. Uh, He knew all about being zealous. He was out zealously killing Christians. He's on his way to Damascus. And we remember great light shone on him. He went to the ground and he said, Saul, Saul, God said, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. There's another short prayer of salvation in the Bible. Who are you, Lord? God told him. Changed his life. Saul was never the same. Changed his name to Paul. God has a way of redeeming us, friends. God wants to adopt us as his own. And do you know what? 
You're very protective of your kids. God's that way with you and me. This morning, if you're an orphan, you don't have a daddy. Who's your daddy? If you don't have a daddy, I want to tell you about the best one ever. He'll adopt you. He'll love you. He'll show you what's right. He'll keep away the wolves that are trying to make you earn something that made you what you already are. Let God do that for you today. If you need to pray, get right with God. Let's pray right now. Father, forgive me in Jesus' name. Come into my life. Thank you for salvation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me be more like you each day. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.